You're listening to Broadview Church Sermon Audio. For more information or to donate to this ministry, go to broadviewchurch.ca. Church, as we gather back together, and that that I think that, that the Lord has some things in store for us as we move forward in ministry and as we move forward in community. And so... Uh, you, you saw a bit of a, of a plug for our, our children's ministry to come out and, and to volunteer and to get involved uh, and to send your kids. You, you saw a bit of a, uh, a plug for, for our small groups ministry that we want to revive that and, and, and really get serious about doing community together and being the church and living life together. And so uh, today I want to encourage you guys and share with you guys about some of our other ministries that you may um, find that God's calling you to be involved with. Uh, for one, uh, I've been involved for many years with our our youth ministry, and we are always looking for more leaders and people who who really, where God's put a burden on their heart to to love on that generation as they kind of grow up and and move into adulthood and and to really just care for them. And that's what we need. We don't need Bible scholars. We need need people who just love well, who who just want to love on these guys. Um, And, uh, you know, can I get a little uh, whoop whoop from our youth boys? Okay, that was sad. There's a couple of youth people here. I'm messing with them. Um, and, and also, I wanted to share with you guys uh, some encouraging news. So uh, last September, something shifted in, in my life, and, and, and the Holy Spirit kind of started to come in and change some things in my world and tip some of those things upside down. Um, and, and I saw that uh, God was giving me a new heart for ministry, and he started to make me, to cause me to dream about moving into more faithfulness in ministry. And so through God's goodness and his grace, he kind of led me into this role here at the church um, to, to be a ministry apprentice. And he asked me to to um, do some new things and try some new things. And, and and one of those things was to preach. And I'd never preached before. And God said, no, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fill you up with my spirit. I'm going to show you how to preach because it's not you preaching. And, and so... In this season now, uh, it's shifted even more where God's been giving me this burden for our young adults ministry in our church, for the, for, and maybe not even the young adults, but just for our, for our church to grow young, for our church to be truly intergenerational and connected, and really to show the world what the church is supposed to look like. And so I've been stepping into more of a, a bit of a leadership role, a bit more involvement with our young adults ministry. And so I want to share that with you guys because I'm very excited about it. Uh, this summer, we're going to start to unroll and try to, try to open up our, our young adults ministry to more church interconnectedness and involvement. And so um, I, I want to encourage you for that. If you're somebody who wants to maybe just, just to uh, mentor or, or, or to just love and, and do community with our, our, our community and with our young people and, and, and stuff. We're going to be doing running events. We'll probably be doing like volleyball on Sundays after church at the at Canoe Beach and, and things like this where we're just going to invite people out to just come and, and, and be in community and to enjoy uh, making friendships and meeting people. And, and then we want to invite our church family uh, to invite you guys in to just come and, and relate and connect get people's numbers, invite them into your life, invite them into your small group, bring them over for dinner. And what we want to do is we want to be a hospitable church. We want to be a church that's not just serious in our mission statement about about being a community and being connected and loving on our neighbors, but that we want to actually live it out. 
and we want to we want to make that as easy for, from from a leadership level, from a, from a ministry level. We want to make it as easy for you guys as we can for you to just go and love on your neighbors and to meet people and to love them and to show them Jesus. And so um, there, there's some other ministries here that you may be finding that God's calling you into, that he's given you a heart for um, a certain demographic or a certain person or a certain, um, you know, maybe he's given you a heart to lead when you, in the past you've been um, not in leadership before. And, and so I, I just encourage you to just pray and wait and, and, and think about these things. And, and really our sermon today, um, the message that I'm sharing today, it, it's really a lot about that. I really want to talk to you guys today. I messed up all my notes. Yep, that looks good. Uh, I really want to talk to you guys today uh, about how the, how the gospel actually calls us to, to live this out. And so um, I want to start off by, by reading the text that we're going to go through today. We're, we're finishing off chapter 9 of Matthew, and then we're, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump right in. So uh, this is Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, if you want to open up and follow along with me to the end of the chapter. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Dear Lord Jesus, I just want to invite you in today, into our service, into our worship, and into our, our, our preaching, and, and into the, just the way that we process Lord, I just pray that your spirit would come in and that you would open up our eyes to the truth of your gospel, that you would awake us to new realities and show us the way to, to love you more and to live into your gospel. And Lord, that, that when we read this word, that we would just fall in love with who you are, Jesus, and what you do and what you can do in us and through us. I pray all these things in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. So, we're, for, we're going through a, a series right now called Radical Living. And the reason we've, we're calling it Radical Living is, is because we simply, we, we want to read through the book of Matthew, which is what we're doing right now, and, and really analyze Jesus' life, and analyze the things he said, and analyze what he was all about, and then say, how do we live into this? Like, what does this call us into, and what is Jesus asking of us today? What, what, is, what is our role as the church, as Christians, as believers, as disciples? And so um, we really, as, as, as we've been walking through this, we've been, just been looking and saying, this is what Jesus is saying. This is what he's calling you to. This is what he wants for us as a church. And our desire for, for you and for us as a church is to see us live more truly into Jesus' kingdom, into his radical, offensive, uh, upside-down reality that he's laid out for us. And so as we're doing this, I just really want you to pay close attention that, that this is not just a list of, of moral uh, things, that this is not just a, a strategy for how to make the world a better place, but that this is actually, we're, we're looking at Jesus' life and, and seeing where is his heart at? What, what is his plan? And so I think this, this text today really gives us a good snapshot 
first of all, it gives us a really good snapshot of, of, of how Jesus lived, what he did, and, and, and what he loved to do, and where his heart was at. And, you know, in, the, in this chapter, if, there, if ever there was a, like, a little text, just a little snippet, like a sentence, that, that just describes the way that Jesus would, would spend his, his weekdays, um, this, this is probably a, a good place to start. And so I want to read verse 35 with you guys again, and we're just going to look at what, what, is, what is it that Jesus did day in and day out. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. So this is just a little, little tiny snapshot of Jesus' life and work. The things he did when he was in a physical body and walking the earth today. And the things that he desired to see accomplished here on earth. The text tells us that Jesus was missional. It says that he went to all the villages and towns. He went right into their center, to, the, to their religious centers. He went to the synagogues. And, and, and when he got there, he would teach. Right? He, he, he would sit with his disciples. He would sit with the Jews. And he would, he would open up the scriptures. And he would point out to them and teach them and show them how it pointed to him and what that meant for us. And then it says that Jesus would proclaim the, the good news of the kingdom, that, that he would tell everybody, the kingdom is coming. I'm bringing in the kingdom. And, and, and honestly, if you could actually like sum up what Jesus came to do in his life here on earth um, in like one sentence. And I think, you know, if I were to ask that question to a group of our, our youth kids, I might get some, some different answers. And some of them uh, would be pretty much mostly right. But, but, you know, you might say, okay, Jesus came to die for our sins. But we know that Jesus didn't just die. He also lived, and he was also resurrected. And so, we, so sometimes we end up really explaining, oh, Jesus lived a perfect life, and he did all that. And, and we, we show the, the way that he did something. But, but what Jesus came to do, what he really wanted to do, was usher in his kingdom. And the way he did it was living and dying and rising again. But, but, but he came through all the cities proclaiming, and he always talked about the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. He would describe to people, this is what the kingdom is like. This is who the king is. This is what the kingdom is like. And, and the kingdom of God is upon you. And so he would, he would proclaim the good news of the kingdom. And then it, it, it shifts. And we talked about this last week. It, it says that Jesus would heal. And he was healing every disease and sickness. Not, it doesn't say he was healing some of the diseases and sicknesses. It, Jesus was healing people everywhere he went. And, and it shows us, this shows us a picture, a little, a little snippet of Jesus' power. That, that when Jesus would walk into a town or a room or a place, it would change. The crowds would flock to him. He was magnetic. And that, that, that people would walk away changed or different, some of them hating him more, and some of them, for the first time ever, walking in healing and freedom. And this is, the, this is the Savior. This is the man we worship. This is what he was all about. So I, w- I want to ask you just a little bit of a, a hypothetical question. Um, and and, and it's, it's pretty simple. It's would, how much would you love to meet Jesus in the flesh? Like, I'm not just talking about meet Jesus when you get to heaven, but I'm saying if you could be there, or, or if Jesus was still here right now, if he hadn't have gone up to heaven, how much would you want to meet him in person, to shake his hand, to see him heal, to listen to him speak? 
Like, I would personally give my right arm to, to see that, to, to, to encounter Jesus. And, and part of the reason I would give my right arm is because he'd probably touch me and grow it right back because that's how awesome Jesus was, right? Like, like he just did incredible things all the time. You never knew it was going to happen. And, and you might show up today and he might turn your crackers into lunch. Like, you didn't know, right? And so this is the Jesus that, that people were flocking to see. There's crowds, but there's, there's a problem here. See, when we think about the idea of meeting Jesus in person, it sounds really good. But, but Jesus noticed that there was actually an issue with that. And, and if Jesus was still alive today, he'd probably be still living in Jerusalem. You'd have to get a plane ticket and, and fly there, and, and then you'd have to join the crowds and, and listen to him speak. And then if you wanted to meet him, you'd have to get in line because there was thousands of other people that want to get healed and want to talk to Jesus and, and follow Jesus. And, and then even if you could do that, it would be over before you know it. Because what, what, what Jesus points out here, and I think he really, really shows this in, in verse 36 and verse 37, that, that, that he had physical limitations that he had brought on himself when he came as a man. He says this, when, it says, when, the crowds, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I heard a uh, uh, sermon illustration one time, and it goes like this. There was a man walking along a beach, and as he walked along the beach, um, he, there was millions and millions of starfish uh, scattered all over the beach, and, and these starfish had been thrown up there by the tide. And, and he's walking along looking at this, and he looks down the way, and he sees an old man walking along. And the old man is scooping up starfish and tossing them in the ocean. And he just keeps picking them up and throwing them, picking them up and throwing them. And, and, and he, he gets up to the man and he says, uh, what are you doing? And he says, well, I'm saving starfish. And the guy keeps chucking them in. And he says to him, you'll never be able to save all the starfish. Like, there's millions of them here and you're just one guy. And, and the guy said, I know, but I'm going to save as many as I can. And he just keeps tossing them back in. And I, I, the reason I like this this sermon analogy, I think when I actually first heard it, I kind of read myself into that. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go save starfish um, one at a time. And, but really what, what it's actually pointing out to here and what I want to, want to highlight on there, this is kind of what Jesus, it was like for Jesus. He, he was out trying to save and, and love people and, and heal people, but he was doing it by himself as a physically limited person. And, and, and people could see, and Jesus could see, that there was a problem with that. And the problem was is that he wanted to impact and, and save the whole world, not just the people that were around where he lived. Did you know that Jesus, um, he got tired? Like, he, he, was, he physically limited himself on purpose. He was, he was God, but he, he took on a body. Jesus got tired. We, we hear one time where he was sleeping in a boat during a thunderstorm uh, and while the disciples thought they were going to die, and, and they had to shake him awake because he was so tired. And Jesus got hungry. He, he, he goes out and he fasts for 40 days in the wilderness, which is about the limit of what a physical body can take. And then at the end of that, he eats food because if he doesn't eat food, he knows that his body will give out on him. And so he had taken on these physical limitations and he sees this and, and, and he says, I'm going to do something about it. I'm actually going to point this out. There's, there's a huge harvest and the workers are few. There's, lot, there's much work to be done. 
And so he, in verse 37 and verse 38, he, he lays out his plan and what he intends to do about it. Let's read that again. Then Jesus said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest. So, so Jesus' solution isn't to work harder. His solution wasn't to stay on earth as long as he possibly could and heal as many people as he could touch and speak to as many, as big of crowds as he could handle. No, he came to give us a sampling of his power and then he says, ask me. I've showed you that I'm the Lord of the harvest. I've showed you that I'm the best starfish thrower there ever is. Now ask me, ask me the Lord of the harvest to send out people, to send out workers, to do the work that, uh, that I started, that I've been modeling for you. And I, I think sometimes we can make a mistake, and I made this mistake myself, where we read this text and we go, the, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. And, and, and when I read that the first time, I started to write a sermon that was very different than the sermon I'm writing, that I'm, that I'm preaching right now. And, and what I did was I read it and I said, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. We need more workers. And, and so I started to write up a sermon where I was going to try to stir up the church and say, we need more volunteers. We need people in our youth ministry. We need people in our children's ministry. We got to do all this stuff and we got we to work harder. You know, let's do this. And I really wanted to encourage everybody to, to get involved and to get plugged in and all these things. And then it was like the Spirit just told me, like, hold up. Like, read it again. And what does it actually say? And, and, and I think that there's two mistakes that we make when we read that verse. One is we get cynical or, or, or proud or, or maybe even lazy. We read the verse, we say, the harvest is plenty. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I see a harvest anymore. Maybe in Jesus' day, but now um, it feels like people don't want what we've got. Uh, or, or maybe I've tried for years, and, and it just doesn't seem like, you know, it, it's clicking. Like, I, I've done my best. So um, it, it, this is a lot of work. And maybe, maybe what Jesus meant is just for us to, to live out what we see. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to have my coffee. I'm going to come and enjoy my sermons. I'm going to read my Bible. And I'm just going to enjoy Jesus' goodness. Um, but I don't really f- see it. Like if Jesus shows, like, you know, like maybe if somebody asks me about Jesus, but like, no, like I don't see it. And I think, but then the other issue we can see, the other, the other pitfall is, is that we get impatient or become self-reliant. And you do what I did. And, and, and you go, the, the, I see the harvest. There, there's, there's so many hurting people. There's so much to do. Let, let's, let's mobilize. Let, let's, let's, let's do something about it. Let's get a team together. Let's start a Bible study. Um, let's get better social media. Let's, let's, let's do more things. Let's do a survey and we'll make a strategy and, and, and we'll, we'll construct the most uh, you know, convincing arguments and we'll have the best sermons and we'll get the most talented teachers and the best worship team and we'll have more, better, everything and we'll just, we're gonna, we're gonna get this done. But this isn't what Jesus says. It's not what he says in verse 38. He, he points out the need but then he shifts the focus. He says, ask the Lord of the harvest. Ask me to send out workers. And what he's doing here is he's, he's not putting emphasis or focus on the, the harvesters. 
or the workers or the Christians or the church. He, he shifted the focus onto himself. He says, ask me. I've showed you what it looks like. I, I, I've showed you a taste of my power. Now just ask me. Like, ask me and I will send out people. I will send out people and I will lead the workers into this mighty enterprise. And so today, what I feel like the Spirit's been teaching me and what he's been leading our church into, and what I need to say today is I need to speak out against the demonic lie that the devil wants us to believe. Because the devil, this is what he does. He doesn't, he doesn't just throw out obvious lies that we can easily spot. He just takes the truth and he just twists it enough that you might miss the point. And the lie that he wants us to believe is that it's up to us to change the world. That it's up to us to make change. See, today I want to speak out against the lie that says that you have it within you to do good, to change the world, to mobilize the church for change, to save your children, to slay your sin, to be holy, to fix people and things, to convert people to Christianity, to make them see you don't have that within you. I'm sorry. Jesus wants us to know that, that he has it within him. And if we want to do any of these things, it, we have to tap into his power. And so if there's anything that you get from my sermon today, if there's anything that we can walk away with and come home with and really meditate on and, and, and seek in our lives is this. Jesus is the Lord of the harvest, and we're wholly dependent on his power, his grace, and his purposes, and his plans to mobilize his people. He traded up his old body for a new body. What do we call the church? We call it the body of Christ. He wants to animate this body and, and, and do the work. He will use us to, to do the work that he started here on earth. He's going to use us to be missional, to go into all the towns and villages. Jesus said to the disciples, wait for the Spirit, and when the Spirit comes on you, you're going to go to Judea and Samaria and then to the Gentiles and then to the ends of the earth. Last time I checked, um, Peter and Paul didn't get to the ends of the earth. They died. But Jesus says, no, you're still doing that work today. I'm still going to mobilize you through my spirit. He's going to use us to teach. And he's going to use us to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. And he's even going to use us to, to, to heal through the work of his spirit. To put this another way, we need to live by and in the spirit of Jesus. We, we need to tap into Jesus' power and Jesus' forgiveness, and Jesus' work, uh, or else we, we don't stand an ice cube's chance in hell of, of, of defeating the enemy, of, of seeing change, of, of conquering evil with good. I think the lie that we've come to believe is that, that, that Jesus requires um, hard work from us, and then if we can get that sorted out, then, then he, he can use us better, um, and, and that's a lie. And in fact, um, I, I want to I read to you a, a, a passage in 2 Timothy 3, 
verses 1 to 5, where, where Paul just, he speaks out against this. He shows us what we look like when we, when we try to do well in and of ourselves. He says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. This is the last days. We're, we're living in them. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Can I just say that this is me as Mark Parmenter? All of this, this is the list of all the things that I have to bring to the table. The, the gospel tells us you don't have good in and of yourself. When you live in your flesh, when you live from your own power, these are the things, these are the character traits, these are the things that you bring into the equation. And we think Jesus, Jesus wants me, I'm a good public speaker, or I'm, I'm a really relational, or I'm a smart guy. And, and Jesus goes, he, he constantly flips that on its head by picking weak people and, and showing us that they could not have done it without him. So, so let's read that again. He, he, he gives us a list of all these horrible, awful character traits that I think even if you're not a Christian, you don't want that in your life. And he says this in verse 5. He says, Having the form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. Do you guys know what this is? This is a, this is a dark gun. And uh, what it is, is it's a toy. It, it, it's, it's meant to look like a gun. And, and if I were to, but, it, but it, you know, if I were to take this and, and walk in here today and, 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 and for, like, try to take the, the church hostage and ask for a million dollars, you guys would just laugh me off the stage. And, and why is that? You probably wouldn't even call the cops, actually. You, you'd probably just walk away because you know that, that I'm not much of a threat when I have a, a dark gun. <laughs> but, but it looks like a gun. I mean, it, it's shaped like a gun. And um, it, it has a handle like a gun and a trigger. And, and it has a, a, a triple barrel. That looks pretty impressive. Um, it, it looks just like a gun. And, 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 you know, like in the movies, like, you know, how they, they'll take something that, that looks kind of like a gun and they'll conceal it under their shirt. You can, I can trick you for a little while and maybe may, make you think that this is a gun. But in the end, why do you not care if I point this at you? It's because it's in the form of a gun, but it lacks the power. It lacks the power. And, and, and this is the danger that, that, that Jesus wants to point out to us, that Paul wants to point out to us. He says, you know, like, if, if, if somebody comes to our church or, or walks into any church... Here's what they're going to see. They're going to walk in to our church. They're going to see a cross. Okay? And they're going to see an auditorium. And they're going to see Bibles. And they're going to see Christians. And they're going to see a worship team. And they're going to hear the name of Jesus. And they're going to, to hear people talk about VBS and children's ministry and, and world change. And they're going, to, they're going to hear a pastor speak. These are all the form of godliness. Sometimes we put that first, but if they walk into our church and they see all these things, 
but they don't see the power, they will have nothing to do with us. And this is the warning. This is the, this is the call as the church. Jesus wants to break down the lie, break down the paradigm that says, we can do this. Did you know that the, that the scripture tells us that, that nobody can even say that Jesus is Lord unless the Spirit awakens them to that reality? Jesus has taken away even our pride to say that we were smarter than the next guy to figure out Jesus' lordship. That he says, no, even that you can't take credit for. It says in, in John 16, 7 that the Spirit is going to provoke the world and convict the world of sin and prove them wrong about Jesus. It didn't say the church. It doesn't even say the Bible will convict the world about Jesus. I grew up in a Christian home my whole life in, in a church reading the Bible. And there were times where I just could not even get the willpower to open up a Bible. And when I did, I'd read it, and it just didn't mean anything to me. It was wood. It meant nothing. And then Jesus came in, and he gave me this crazy desire to read my, read my Bible. And I would pick it up, and, I, and I'd, I'd begin to read, and the words would come to life. And I, and I started to realize the Spirit's reading the Bible to my soul. It's speaking truth into my heart. That's the power. And some of us, we're, we're going through the motions. And we're trying to do the form. And, and we've, we've lost the power. We've denied the power. We've forgotten about the power. And, and Jesus wants to call us in. He says, I'm the, the, I'm the, I'm the source. We need the spirit of Jesus. We can often get really messed up about where, where does our works and good deeds fit in. Because we don't want to be like the Pharisees doing good works that are empty. And we don't want to be the lazy person who, who, who goes to church and, and reads their Bible but doesn't do anything about it, like James says, looking in a mirror and, and walking away. So, so where does this fall in? And I want to point you guys to Ephesians 2, 8 to 10, where, where, where Paul, I think, beautifully wraps up the gospel with a bow and explains to us how our works fit into the big picture of Jesus' plan. He says this, for, by, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Do you see? Did you catch that there? Jesus says, my grace comes in I fill you up with my spirit. I change you into something new and different. And then I will send you out into the harvest fields to do the works that I set up for you to do. And so often we get them the other way around. We get confused. We believe the lie that, that, that if, you, if, you, if you look a certain way and you act a certain way, that you are that thing. And, and, and Jesus says, no, this is, this is a, a difficult paradox to grasp, but, but you need to live into this. 
Otherwise, you lack the power. You know, sometimes we read verses like uh, in Matthew 28, 11, 28, where, where he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. And to me, for a long time, I was stuck in my sin, and all I wanted was for Jesus to give me rest. I used to be addicted to pornography. I used to be selfish and conceited, lover of money, lover of self. And I went to church and I did those things and I tried to live that way and I believed in Jesus' name. And, and, and I, all I wanted was just peace. I wanted rest. I wanted forgiveness. I wanted Jesus to slay my sin. But something happened. When, when, when the Holy Spirit came in, I started having this, this crazy desire to read the Word of God. And, and as I read the Word, I started to get life and peace and joy for the first time. And then when I looked at my sin, when I looked at pornography, when I looked at all these other things, I didn't want that anymore. Because I said, this is better. But then something else happened. See, see, Jesus said, okay, I know this is all, you thought if you could quit pornography that you'd be complete, but I got more. So then he started calling me into sharing the gospel with my coworkers. And he started calling me into just more of Jesus and it started to just come out of my pores. And I started to have joy. And, and I started to see, Jesus is not just healing my sin. He's going an extra step further. He's making me into something else. And I've been saying to people lately, they, I, people have been saying th- things like, great sermon. Man, you're so talented. You're, you're such a good speaker. And I'm like, no. I'm not the same guy I used to be. Because that guy was not talented. That guy could not do it in and of himself. That guy had no power. Jesus made me into something new and different and better. And now I'm seeing new things. And so when we read this passage, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Let's read on. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do you guys know what a yoke is? It's a a tool for work. Jesus is actually offering us peace and rest even in our work. And he says, but when you're you're hooked up to me like this, what what you do with a yoke is you hook up two animals and one is stronger and bigger and more experienced and better at the job. And the other one is new and fresh, doesn't know what it's doing, and, and yoke them up together, and the big one does all, he does the extra amount of work. He shows them how to turn, and, and how to go, and how to listen to the farmer, and how to do the things that he's supposed to do, and he makes his job easy for him, and he grows him into that role. I think some of us have believed the lie that we had to be all that first. We had to pay our dues or or whatever. But Jesus says, I can use you. If you yoke up to me, I'm going to make it so easy on you. I think I find a beautiful full picture in the book of Ezekiel. And I want to read this to you guys. And this has been like on my heart 
lately, the, 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 the picture in, in Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27. God's speaking to Ezekiel about the gospel to come, about Jesus' work. And he says this, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. He's saying, I'm going to take away all that stuff. I'm going to clean you up. I'm going to wash you up. I'm going to take away the pornography. I'm going to take away the, the love of money. I'm going to take away your, all these things that, that just draw you away from me. And I'm going to clean you up. And, and I'm going to set you on your feet. And then he says this. I'm going to give you a new heart. And put my spirit in you. That's the Holy Spirit. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Can I just say that that if you have been walking with the Lord for any amount of time in your life, whether it's your whole life because you were were fed that that goodness or or whether you just became a Christian out of a difficult background, if you've come to love Jesus— It was never because of your circumstances and surroundings. It was because Jesus said, look, you can't love me with this heart of rock. You don't want me. He came in with the Spirit and he says, I'm going to take that out. I'm going to give you a heart that actually pumps, that actually feels, that actually loves. And if you've been walking with the Lord, that's praise Jesus. That's grace. He did that. And then this is, what, this is what he says. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. Can we just speak out against that lie that says that, that you need to get it all together? I, I've talked to people who've said, I could never go to church. I could never become a Christian. Because you guys say that I shouldn't have sex before marriage. Um, and, and you guys say this and that, and, and you want me to not stop swearing, and, and you want me to stop lying, and I'm sorry. I just, th- this is, these things are part of me, and I've said to those people, I, I don't care. I don't expect you to live that way. And they're like, what? And I said, when you meet Jesus, you won't want that anymore. But until you meet him, I, will, I, I don't care if you get your life cleaned up. He will do the work. When you meet Jesus, things will change on their own. And I won't have to force you to change because you'll want to change. Because he's going to put a new heart in you. And he's going to move you to be careful to follow his decrees and commands. I'm going to go back to our text one more time. And as we, as we, as the worship team comes up, and as we start to, to, to close out this service, I have an invitation for you. I want to read again what Jesus' solution and what he calls us into in this moment, what he's asking us to do. He says this in verse 37 and 38. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Ask me. Can you just ask me? I have a three-year-old, and if, if she wanted a glass of water, 
and try to climb the counter to get to it, she'd probably fall and crack her head because she doesn't know how. She's too small. And all I want is for her to ask me, just ask me. Jesus talks about, how many of you, if your child asks you for a fish, you'll give him a stone? How much more will my Father give you the Holy Spirit when you ask for it? How much more will my Father give you forgiveness when you ask for it? And so as a church, as we enter into worship, all I'm asking is that you ask. All I'm encouraging you into is a time of just prayer and seeking the Lord's favor. And and I believe that if we as a church can get in the habit of of, of living into that and asking the Lord to to show us, to guide us, to to show us how to love, to show us how to minister to others, to show us how to to be Christ's hands and feet in this world, that that there's going to be change. And so we're going to worship today. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to worship. And I want you to just spend some time with Jesus to talk to him. Pray what you got. Just say, Jesus, I don't know you, but I want to. (laughs) Jesus, I feel a little bit rocky and craggy right now. Can you you wake me up again? And and, and we as a church are, are expecting that the Holy Spirit will lead us into what's to come. And that then there's going to be change in this world. So let's pray and let's, let's ask the Lord of the harvest for him to, to show us his will and to send us out. Dear Lord Jesus, we believe that you are the Lord of the harvest. That you came and you lived out and you, you showed us what your heart is all about. And then you, you are calling us into your radical upside-down kingdom to, to just lay it all at your feet, Lord, all of it even our works. So I pray, Lord Jesus, that today you would open up our hearts to your truth, that that we would be receptive to your word, and that your Holy Spirit would just fill us up. I pray all these things in the name of Jesus, the Lord of the harvest. Amen.